Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us in beautiful Kelowna, British Columbia. Our special guest again is Don Straub, a practicing clinical counsellor who helps people struggling with everyday problems by giving them powerful, practical solutions. Don is going to look at the topic of emotional dishonesty. Don, welcome again to It Is Written Canada. Thank you. It's awesome to be here with you. Can you explain to us what do you mean by emotional dishonesty? Well, for starters, our society holds many myths about emotions. For example, in our society, emotional dishonesty is not just common, it's something to be sought after. Like, how are you today? Fine, even though I'm anything but fine. And what I've discovered is that this takes place in other cultures too. When I went to Africa, I discovered uh, I wanted to know how to greet people first off, and so they said, well, this is what you do. You say, habarigani, which means any news, or what's the news? Literally, what's the news? And you must always say nzuri, which means good. It's always got to be good news. And so, so here's the thing about emotions. I think that many Christians begin to equate certain emotions, like uncomfortable emotions, like sadness, anxiety, worry, fear, even anger, as being negative or sinful. And they equate when you have joy and happiness and calmness that you're, you're righteous. And, and that's too bad because all the emotions serve a purpose. They have a function. There aren't negative or positive emotions, just comfortable and uncomfortable emotions. So, Don, what does the Bible say about emotions? When I started to understand the biology of emotions and how they're produced by the brain and the hormones, I realized that, hey, this is, this is just how the body works. This is just how God created us. And I began to pay attention to emotions in, in the scriptures. And there's emotion all through the scriptures. Psalms especially are just filled with strong emotions. I mean, there's, there's crying, there's like wailing, there's, there's tears, and there's, there's huge emotions of fear and anxiety. There's, oh, there's strong emotions of anger in the book of Psalms. In, in the Bible, the Bible refers to, to God as having anger. There's 44 scriptures that say God is angry. And so there's a lot of emotion in scripture. The shortest verse in the Bible is so profound. It simply says, Jesus wept. And when I think of those words, it just, it just meets my needs. Because when both of my wives died, I would imagine Jesus weeping right with me when I was weeping. That he was there with me. That Jesus is always abiding with us through all of this pain.
It is so true. When you open your heart to God, Jesus says that he will abide with you and he will never leave you. And we've been talking to Don Straub, who is a practicing clinical counselor, and he's been talking about what the Bible reveals about emotions and about how God is with you in your times of sorrow. Don, what about myths? Do people have certain myths when it comes to emotions? Well, one myth about emotions is that we are responsible for other people's emotions. That may sound logical, but it's not really helpful. And it can start innocently. Like, let's just say we have a little toddler and he walks into his mommy's bedroom and mommy's crying. To the toddler, mommy could be dying in, in his little mind. And mommy sees the toddler and says, oh, come here, honey, give mommy a big hug. And they hug and she says, oh, you make mommy feel so much better. Sounds really endearing, doesn't it? But actually it's the opposite of endearing. What's happening there is the toddler will probably get the idea that he has the power to change his mommy's feelings. And he might even become to believe that he's responsible for his mother's feelings. And then through his life, he's always trying to make mom feel better. And if, if she's not, it's his fault. See, the truth is that it would be better for mommy to say, oh, come here, honey, give mommy a big hug. It's okay for mummies to cry. We get sad sometimes and that's okay. That way the child learns that it's okay to be sad. It's okay not to be happy all the time. But let's say this child feels that he has to be responsible for his mother's feelings. That child could easily grow up and now in his adult relationships, such as his marriage relationship, he might feel responsible for his partner's feelings. And, you know, we don't like to be told, you shouldn't feel this way, or we want to fix it. People don't want to be fixed. Sometimes they just want to be held, understood, listened to. It's not about making us feel differently or better. So, Don, aren't some emotions better than other emotions? I used to think that way, and I think it's sort of natural for us to, to think that way. I used to call negative emotions and positive emotions, but I don't anymore. There are comfortable emotions and uncomfortable emotions, and each of these emotions have a purpose. Let's take sadness, for instance. So sadness is what we call an emotion, and an emotion is an action signal. Every emotion is an action signal, so we take some action. So sadness is an action signal to chill out, take a rest, slow down your life, and get this, it's an action to shed some tears. It's a signal to, to cry. There are two kinds of tears. There's tears of lubrication, which we need to keep from getting dry eyes. Then there are tears of emotion, and these tears of emotion could be sad or happy sad, as you know, and these tears actually contain toxic chemicals. They've can, they can measure them. And these are the toxins produced by the brain when we're stressed. And this is the way the brain gets rid of those toxins is through the tear ducts. So it's important to cry to de-stress. Let's talk about anxiety. That's another example of, a, of an emotion. We don't like to feel anxiety, but it's actually your friend. Anxiety is my friend because anxiety is an action signal to keep myself safe. 
if I had no anxiety, I wouldn't probably live more than a few years of life. Because the action signal to stay safe is an important signal. If I had no anxiety, I wouldn't study for tests. If I had no anxiety, I probably wouldn't check my smoke alarms. Or I wouldn't drive safely. See, it's an action signal that keeps me safe. But let me explain something here. We have these two words in the English language. We have the word fear and the word anxiety. So just for definition's sake, we have to look at it this way. They feel the same. Maybe fear can sometimes be more intense, but for some people, anxiety can be as, as intense as fear. But fear is what we feel when there is a danger right now in the room in this moment. There's a rattlesnake on the floor right now. It's a good thing we feel fear. We want to feel fear, or we might pick it up. It keeps us safe. Anxiety is when we're in the future. So it's kind of like I'm feeling anxiety about the, about the idea that I might run across a rattlesnake in the parking lot when I go home today. Now, if there were rattlesnakes in this area, that may be an appropriate thing, and I can take action. I can stomp my feet, look for rattlesnakes. But if there's no rattlesnakes at all in this area, that anxiety serves no purpose. We call it a perceived fear. It's just only a perceived fear, and, but it can get me into trouble. And sometimes these perceived fears, these, this anxiety can just put us instantly into fight, flight, or freeze mode. And for some people, they have like a chronic anxiety in which they're continuously anxious, continually fearful. And this is often the result of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. In other words, their brains have been now programmed to be in a high state of alert for danger because of what they've experienced in their past. They can never feel comfortable or safe in the present. You know, God knows that we're human. He understands our condition. He's not going to like judge us for that kind of feeling in the body. But it, it's an action signal to probably go see a professional, get some help with that trauma. Mm-hmm. So, Don, what happens if you, if you can't calm down and you're constantly in the state of fight, flight, or freeze? Well, I like to teach my clients a way of managing that emotion. Because there are times where emotions get out of control and we're almost helpless to do anything about it at that moment. And like a normal uh, spiritual disciplines don't work. Nothing seems to work. But let me explain emotion this way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about the window of tolerance, okay? So let's just say that right here, at this level here, is a minimum amount of emotion that a human needs to be healthy. Now below this level, in this area down here, we're not safe. We're not living in healthy ways because in this area, we're probably intoxicated, drunk, high on drugs. So your emotions are being suppressed by the alcohol. Exactly. Or the drugs. Exactly. And so when we're in this area with our emotions, we're not healthy. We're going to do dangerous things. Now, let's talk about maybe a metaphor here to kind of illustrate this. I can have spaghetti and I can put it into ice cold water and let it sit there for a few hours and it gets soft. 
I could eat it, but it's disgusting. Like if you want to enjoy spaghetti, you have to have heat. You have to cook the spaghetti, okay? So it's like that. All of our emotions, all of the emotions have a purpose. And we need to have those emotions in our lives, like spaghetti needs heat. We need these emotions to be healthy. So we need to stay within this zone right here to feel some emotions to be healthy human beings. But just like spaghetti, if you aren't watching and you don't turn the heat down before the temperature gets to a certain point, what a mess all over the stove. And that's what happens with emotions. When we reach this upper level here, the window of tolerance, and we go over that, our lives can fall apart. We can't function, we can't think properly, we can't reason logically, we just come apart, so to speak. We have words in the English language for this. And this is where we fear. We fear arriving here, so we, we numb ourselves with alcohol and drugs to stay, but it goes down here. So this is the point we don't want to exceed, and we need to manage our emotions in order to stay within this window of tolerance. So how do you manage your emotions? Well, when the usual things and usual spiritual disciplines like prayer and stuff doesn't work, and sometimes it doesn't, I make sure that all my clients have an exercise that, that really works to manage emotions. So I'm going to quickly go through this. I tell people to go to a calm place, which is a place they've been in the past that has just been a calm, happy experience. Nothing bad happened in this place. And I tell them to go there and imagine this place, what they see, what they hear, what they feel on their body, temperature, what, maybe what they smell, and to stay in that place. And, and generally, if it's a calm place, their breathing rate goes slow and, and kind of shallow, and it's down in this area the, instead of up here when you're anxious. And then once they have that calm place, I tell them to memorize their breath, Remember it, because we do have some control over the breath with our conscious mind. We can force ourselves to breathe that way. And then I tell them to pick a word or a phrase that they can link to this place, like peace, serenity, uh, maybe God is with me, and to remember that word. It's like a cue word. After that, I tell them to do this. Take your hands, looking at your palms, cross your fists, your wrists, with your thumbs up, and when you do this, it's like a butterfly. This is called a butterfly hug. You put the thumbs at the top of your rib cage, and you start to use left, right, bilateral stimulation, and you tap your chest, left, right, left, right, left, right. This bilateral stimulation of the brain has a very calming effect on the brain. Because you see, your left brain controls your right hand, which tells your left arm that you've touched it, which is received by your right brain, and vice versa. It really calms the brain. So to do this exercise, we do it backwards. So if you're, if you're getting to this place where you're just going over the top, you start with the butterfly hug and you start tapping left, right, like this. And then you say the cue word, God is with me, peace, whatever the cue word is. And then you force yourself to breathe in that slow, shallow way. And then you go to this place. You see it, you feel it, you hear it, you smell it, and you cycle around the cue word, the breath, the complace, the cue word, the breath, the complace, all the while doing the butterfly hug. And what happens here is you cannot be in the future 
Remember, that's what anxiety is. You're in the future. You cannot stay in the future when you're doing all this. It brings you to the present. And as long as there's no rattlesnake on the floor, as long as you're safe, you're going to come down in your emotions. And guess what you're doing? You're using your thoughts and your behaviors. Remember the BFT sandwich? Thoughts create feelings and behaviors create feelings. So you're using your breath. That's a behavior. And you're using your butterfly hug. That's a behavior. You're using your thought, God is with me, calm, peace, serenity, and you're using the calm place, you're thinking about this calm place. So you're using thoughts and behaviors to bring your feelings down below the window of tolerance level there. So Don, can you use this to manage other emotions that are troubling you? Absolutely. Any emotion that starts to send you into a place where you're starting to feel flooded, raises your heart rate, you can use this, this exercise to keep yourself within the window of tolerance. Let's talk about anger, for example. Okay? A lot of people are afraid of anger. They, they don't think it's a good emotion to, to have. But actually, like all the other emotions, anger is an action signal. It has a purpose. The action signal of anger is to protect yourself and the people you love from injustice. You see, if I don't feel any anger when there's an injustice, I would be deemed sociopathic because it's very appropriate to be angry when there's an injustice. It's an action signal to protect myself and the people I love, like I said. So maybe I see racism. Perhaps I could write an article to the newspaper. Maybe I could work towards past laws that, that help people from, you know, that are being picked on because of their race. Uh, people have invented cures for diseases because they were angry that their loved one died. So anger is a very appropriate emotion when there's injustice. No wonder God gets angry. No wonder there's 44 verses because think of all the injustices that God experiences. Now, let's take the emotion of guilt. It's a very appropriate emotion. Think of what would happen if no one felt guilty. What a terrible world we'd be living in. Because guilt is an action signal to apologize, make amends, ask forgiveness, and to change what you're doing, to do it differently. Unfortunately, some people feel guilty when they're not guilty. Now, this happens especially with children because they don't have that ability to reason logically. Uh, they're egocentric. It's all about me, you see? So for a child, for instance, if uh, maybe if a parent leaves them, there's a divorce, and they never see their dad hardly at all, they begin to feel it's their fault for the divorce. And maybe they heard, overheard parents arguing about them, how to discipline, and they begin to feel they're guilty. They're the guilty one. They, it's their fault. I even found that some children will believe it's their fault that grandma died because they go to this place of, well, I must not be a, a good child. I must have done something wrong and made God angry and killed my grandma. This is how children think. But sometimes adults do the same thing. I've met many adults that feel guilty because of a friend's suicide. They feel guilty because they believe that if they just seen it, if they just saw the symptoms, they could have done something about it. But they're not professionals, but they believe that it's their fault. Of course, the devil loves us to feel guilty when we're not guilty because he likes to beat us up with this false guilt. 
So Don, earlier on you mentioned shame. Mm. Where does shame come in? Aren't guilt and shame the same thing? What's interesting is that in scripture, it doesn't differentiate between the two. But when it comes to definitions, it's, it's important in the field of counseling to be able to define their differences. Okay, or you could perhaps use other words, but we've chosen to use shame for the word for false guilt. Because they feel identical when, you, when you're guilty and you feel guilty, or when you're not guilty and you still feel guilty, you're feeling guilt, false guilt. So we just call that shame. Shame is a very icky, icky feeling, a very painful feeling that we get when we feel we're flawed, we're not good enough. When I sin, I might feel unworthy to myself, but never to God. Uh, John Newton wrote these words in Amazing Grace. He said, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now, John Newton, being human, I'm sure felt like a wretch after all the wretched things that he did. And so with Isaac Watts, he penned these words in a song. He said, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die, would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? This is probably a reference to Psalms 22.6, where it says, But I am a worm and not a man. Now, I'm sure that Isaac Watts felt like a worm for his sins. But that is not the truth, because this is what Zechariah says in chapter 2, verse 8. For this is what the Lord Almighty says. After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. Wow. Another translation says, Again, anyone who harms you harms my most precious possession. You see, the truth is, we're not a wretch. We're not a worm. We're the apple. We're, we're God's most precious possession. And so when we start to feel this way, like I am unworthy, I'm not valuable because I'm a, I've sinned, we need to say the truth. I am worthy. I am valuable to God. I'm the apple of his eye. I'm his most precious possession. Because speaking these truths sets us free. Don, that is so encouraging that we are the apple of God's eye and we all make mistakes, but even though we make mistakes, we are not a mistake That's right. in the eyes of God. Yeah. So, Don, we've come to the end of our program and I wonder if you could please pray for us. Absolutely. Father God in heaven, thank you for telling us how you see us through your eyes as your most precious possession. And Lord, help us to remember that when we're not feeling like we're worthy at all, to remember these truths and to claim them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Don, for sharing with us about emotions today. You're welcome. Friends, as Don Straub shared with us, God wants you to experience the freedom that comes from knowing that you are a valued child of God. 
And we want to give you a chance to learn more about this freedom by sending you our free offer, which is Don Straub's book entitled Bridges to Freedom, Creating Change Through Science and Christian Spirituality. Move closer to the Lord, get past your setbacks and learn life lessons with the essential bridges to freedom described in this book. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. And thank you for your prayer requests and your generous financial support. Before you go, we would also like to invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel and also listen to our podcasts. And if you go to our website, you can see our latest programs, including our cooking demonstrations, our short spiritual messages entitled Daily Living, and our exercise workouts called Experiencing Life. We want you to experience the truth found in the words of Jesus when he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca. Or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the Videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.